Mackenzie. Hey, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Can you still say that afterwards? Is that all right? And uh, my wife, Kay, is uh, still back in England, and so I was um, <coughs> home alone <laughs> and uh, had turkey-flavored ramen, 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 ramen. I'm going to come up and do that again. And now I was, uh, I was with some great friends and uh, uh, a great Thanksgiving. People say, do you celebrate Thanksgiving in England? We don't, although more of us are starting to do it. It's a great time. We have our turkey at Christmas. Uh, so our turkeys in Britain are feeling prematurely confident right now. Uh, but anyway, greetings to you if you're online. Good to have you joining us. And this weekend is a standalone message. We finished our series in the book of James and we're beginning a new series for Advent next week. More about that in a few moments. Uh, so this weekend, I get to just preach whatever I'm feeling. And uh, I was feeling this word reset on my mind. Reset. Uh, in a few moments, we're going to turn to the book of Isaiah, or Isaiah, whatever you like to call him. And what's the, what's the context of that? Well, 2,700 years ago, God's covenant people, Israel, were rebelling against God. And so God raised up this prophet, uh, Isaiah. And there's a long book of his prophecies in the Old Testament. And the first 39 chapters, uh, the message really is this. Here comes the judge. Judgment is coming. There are terrible warnings there. And Isaiah tells Israel, nations are going to come against you. This is not just human politics or war. This is the, the judgment of God. And a hundred years later, after Isaiah had died, it happened. He never lived to see the fulfillment of his prophetic warnings. 586 BC, the exile happened, the Babylonians um, came, and uh, that was the fulfillment. And what happened? Uh, the nation had been warned by prophets like Jeremiah as well as Isaiah about judgment coming. And they ignored those warnings, and so they found themselves under attack from the approaching Babylonian army. The city of Jerusalem was under siege for a number of months and then finally fell. And at last, Jerusalem falls. Uh, many people died and the temple was plundered. And that book that was mentioned, it's about how Daniel responded. Daniel and some of his friends were taken off to Babylon, the biggest and baddest city in the world at the time, the most beautiful city, and they were taken off into exile. They were just kids. The Hebrew word used to describe them is yeladim, which means lads, maybe 12, maximum 18 years of age. And now they are taken away from their beloved Jerusalem, from the promised land, from the temple, the feasts and the festivals that reinforce their faith. And they're in this intimidating big city. And there's a spiritual problem too, because the Babylonians had all the money. They had all the architectural brilliance. They won. And back in those days, there was a belief that if your nation was beaten in war by another nation, it was because their God was stronger than your God. So there's spiritual confusion 
And now they are in exile for 70 years. 70 years. Suddenly, some words of Isaiah, who had died 150 years earlier, but his prophecies had been kept in a scroll and handed to some of his disciples, those words are unearthed. And chapters 40 to the end of Isaiah, these are words of hope. Something new is coming. There's a wake-up call from heaven. God is saying to Israel, I'm changing things. I'm resetting everything. It's a new day. So that's the context. Rather than just pulling some words out of an Old Testament book, I wanted you to understand the context of these words. And here's what Isaiah says, chapter 43, verse 14. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes I'll send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator and King. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all of its chariots and horses. Stop right there. What's Isaiah talking about? He's talking about the Exodus, the greatest moment in Israel's history. God says, I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It's remarkable. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Over the years, I've had quite a few issues with computers. And this is mainly due to the spectacular gift of ineptitude with which I navigate life. Laptops, computers, Apple watches, whatever, we've not always got along terribly well. One day I put my laptop next to a kettle. Uh, I like hot tea and drink about 47 cups of it daily. And uh, I was talking with Kay, the kettle boiled, the laptop's there, and I'm talking away. And I, as I'm talking, I'm pouring water into what I thought was my cup. But it was not. It was my laptop. I am telling you, that thing actually screamed. I'm not making that up. It screamed, and it did die. Then there was the day when I formatted my hard drive. Now, for those of you not computer literate, particularly with older computers where you could format your hard drive in that way, here's, here's what happens when you format your hard drive. It's like taking the top of your head off, removing your brain, Tossing your brain into the Atlantic Ocean, replacing top of head, and expecting to carry on with life. It is, you wipe out everything. So I, I typed that in a format, and the computer was freaked out. It said, are you sure? Are you sure? You get a Y or an N. And my finger hovered momentarily over the Y unaware that my destiny was about to change in a moment. And I verily did press Y. <laughs> everything gone, everything irretrievably gone. And I wish I could tell you that I just stood there peacefully saying, well, the Lord has given. <laughs> and the Lord has taken away, blessed be. You could hear the screaming on Pluto. 
But recently my computer has been running really slow and I've been given the impression that it is powered by four donkeys walking in a circle. So I decided to phone customer services. I won't tell you the name of my computer, but I especially like the piece of fruit symbol that adorns it. That's all I'm saying. And I phoned up customer services, and the phone was answered by a nine-year-old. And apparently he's a genius at nine. Quite remarkable. And I tell him my problem. And I'm expecting a complex response. Press, control, or delete Asterix, stand on one leg while you're doing it, sing I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. But no, the nine-year-old said, Sir, let's reset it. Turn your computer off and turn it back on again. I'm like, what? What? I wanted to say, young man, once you've navigated adolescence, you will be far more technically gifted. He said, trust me, sir, confidence in his unbroken voice. Turn the computer off and turn it on again. Let's reset it. But let me tell you what it, what it felt like. I, I, I have a reset button here. Now, something's about to happen. No one be alarmed, okay? If, any, if you scream, I've given you a warning. Everything's fine. Everything is under control. We are going to reset. I need a three, two, one count from everybody. You ready? Kind of feeble. Let's let's try that again. Three, two, one. Excuse me, everybody. Can you just do it together? <laughs> right. All right. Let's try again. Three, two, one. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. We need to power up again. I need three, two, one. I'm, I'm tempted to just quit preaching and just play with this. <laughs> Why did I do that? It's because I, I wanted you to hear the kind of sound and get the feel of powering down to power up. And I obediently tapped the keys, and three minutes later, my previously demonized computer was clothed and in its right mind. Circuits refreshed, if not born again, clutter cleared, a thing of beauty. Apparently, just a word to the wise, a computer that stays on too long with too many windows open gets fatigued and starts to burn up more memory. I needed to reset. And here's the thing. So do we. Let's dive in and follow along with me if you can. First of all, let's know that our settings are shaped by our season. Our settings are shaped by our season. You see, exile had been a way of life for Israel, 70 years of it. Now think about that. Some people would have been born, lived their whole lives, and died in Babylon. They could never imagine anything else. I don't have a goldfish in a bowl in my home, but if I did and I went up to the bowl and said to the goldfish, have you heard there's a new iPhone the goldfish would just make that gawping look that it's part of its job. 
It's got no concept of anything outside of the bowl. And so for them, exile was the way it was. And imagine this, previously in slavery in Egypt, 400 years. Now let's put that into context. America in its, its present form was founded in 1776. So that makes America 245 years old right now. Imagine that against 400 years, almost twice the time of the history of the USA, Israel had been in slavery, and they were shaped by their season as exiles. They were shaped by their season as slaves. And I want to suggest we have been too. This last 18 months of this wretched pandemic with fear, and grief, and pain. It surely affected all of us. And fragmentation, too. I was reflecting on this earlier this week. In a sense, the pandemic has been worse than war. Because, you see, in wartime, a nation will unite together. The blitz effect in London. People sleeping 100 foot underground in the subway every night. They call it the blitz effect. Everyone uniting together to fight a common enemy. But not only have we faced the challenges, but families and communities and friends being ripped apart by the different perspectives that there have been. This has been a difficult day, and the Bible acknowledges difficult seasons. In Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle Paul says, stand firm on the evil day. He's acknowledging that there will be times when it's especially challenging. And I think this last 18 months has formed us and shaped us, not entirely negatively. There's been some beauty as we've discovered what's really important. There's been some anger. And the Apostle Paul points us to the truth that when we're being shaped, we need renewed, reset thinking. And so in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, we read, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, that's shaping, but be transformed, reset. How? By the renewing of your mind. I want to ask this question. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to answer the question in our own lives. How has our thinking been shaped by this season? And then secondly, cruise control isn't a setting for disciples. Cruise control isn't a setting for disciples. I love cruise control. I, I, I love it. Uh, I can... I can just uh, get there on I-25 where roadworks are planned for the next 470 years, longer than Israel in Egypt, in fact. And it, you know that sign, it says, fines doubled during works or something like that, and that strikes terror into my heart. And so I click cruise control, and I can then just navigate the Disneyland-like curves and twists which are provided for our entertainment. Anyone ever, don't admit to this because I'm not going to, has anybody ever put your car on cruise control and then 15 minutes later you realize you haven't really been paying much attention to your driving? I see some of you nodding hesitantly because you, you know that the police are in the building and <laughs> you don't want the ticket. But I see, it's quite funny, I saw you going. Cruise control is no good for discipleship. We are taught to pray for our daily bread. Why? Because following Jesus is a daily choice. 
Alertness, Ephesians 6, 18. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. 1 Corinthians 16, be on guard, stand firm in the faith. He said the challenge is we can drift. Have we been drifting in the last 18 months? Writing to the Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 1, we read, we must listen carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. Most people don't wake up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to walk away from my faith. Rather, gradual, unconscious, systematic erosion is what happens. And then one day we wake up and go, what? Where am I? Uh, near where I used to live in England, there's a harbour. And there's a, there's a parking lot there. Uh, but every tide, every high tide, it floods every day. And so there are big signs everywhere that say, don't park here because the tide's going to get you. Here's what happened recently. You can have a look at this picture that shows you. That's what happens when you don't pay attention. Things drift. I'm thinking that car's not going to be much good anytime soon. Are we on cruise control in our faith. Thirdly, let's know that resets are everywhere in Scripture. Resets are everywhere in Scripture. You see, as I've mentioned, God points Israel back to the greatest moment in their history, which was the Exodus, and then he says, forget that. It's remarkable. Forget that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. God is a God who brings reset. What's baptism about? It's about a reset, a public declaration of a new life. What's communion about? Breaking bread. It's about a reset and a remembering of who Jesus is and who we are in him. What is Sabbath about? It's not about a legalistic, pro prohibitive thing. It's about an opportunity to breathe once a week. What were the feasts and festivals that Israel had all about? They're about resets. I need to say, by the way, the greatest reset is being born again. And it might be that today, here, watching online, you come to a place in your life where you know you need a reset. And it's not just that you need to change a few things or move to a new place or whatever, because, by the way, when you move to a new place and you don't deal with the issues, the trouble with moving is you take yourself with you. We could help if you'd love to make that decision for that reset. Fourthly, resetting clears the, the clutter. Resetting clears the clutter. And so Isaiah addresses sins in this 43rd chapter. In verse 25, he says, I, yes, I alone, this is the Lord speaking, will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Here's a question, everyone. Have we allowed stuff into our lives in the last 18 months that we wouldn't normally tolerate or put up with? But it's like, well, a little bit of what you fancy does you good. It's COVID. It's been tough. C.S. Lewis said, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. We're like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum 
because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And there's something beautiful about shedding sin. One of my favorite places to go is the Loveland Recycling Center. It's one of my favorite resorts. There are nice people there and much bird life. And I go there and I put my stinky garbage bags in the back of the truck and my heart is skipping faster with anticipation as I pull in and that lovely person greets me. They are really nice people there, by the way. And I say, I've got two bags of domestic trash and then he doesn't understand me because of the accent. So I say, I've got two bags of domestic trash. <laughs> and then I go around and he says, are you from Oklahoma? And I go around and I go to the dumpster, and now I'm really excited because this is the moment, baby. And I take the sacks out of my truck, and we have a little hug goodbye because we will never meet again. And exhilarated, I toss the bags into the dumpster, and I drive away. I have dumped my trash, and next week I'm going to do it all again. There's something wonderful about that clearing. The word is repentance. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia, change of mind, but the Hebrew word is so much more beautiful. It's the word teshuva. It means homecoming. That's beautiful. You see, shedding sin is not just about recalibrating things morally, it's about coming home, coming home to God, coming home to who we were meant to be. There's there's warmth and, and, and beauty and celebration, teshuva. Is it, is it time for some of us to start heading home? And then maybe there are attitudes as well that we need to check during resetting. We just had Thanksgiving, and, and seriously, I, I love Thanksgiving. And... Uh, because I was home alone, the folks I was with this week, they gave me food to go. You know, there's always leftovers, isn't there? So I, I had Thanksgiving dinner Thursday, Friday, and yesterday. It's been great. Uh, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, uh, but often we have holidays. We don't even think what they're about. We have Boxing Day in England, day after Christmas. What's it about? No clue. No clue. You're, some of you are going to come up to me afterwards. You can say it's about when they gave the servants the boxes. Maybe, you know, but that's, you probably saw that on Downton Abbey. <laughs> we don't know what it's about. We don't care. It's another vacation. Hooray. But Thanksgiving, there's something very beautiful about it. Dick Foth, Pastor Dick Foth, he knows everything. Everything. He does. And we were chatting this week. And uh, he said, he said, you know how this started, this Thanksgiving? I said, no. He said, Abraham Lincoln made a declaration back in October 1863. How does Dick remember all these details? He would know the name of Abraham Lincoln's dog's middle name. It's remarkable. October 1863, the last Thursday in November should be a day of Thanksgiving. But here's the thing. Three months earlier in the first week of July... In the middle of the Civil War, the Battle of Gettysburg, there were 160,000 combatants. It's a three-day battle, 50,000 casualties, 10,000 killed, 10,000 missing. 
the Civil War, in terms of combatants, was the most devastating war that the United States has ever fought. More combatant casualties in that war than all the other wars combined, 700,000. And right in the middle of that, Lincoln said, let's reset our attitude. Let's be thankful. Are there sins that need dealing with? Are there attitudes that need checking? Number five. Number five is habits need resetting. Habits may need resetting. Daniel, for example, he had an exile habit of praying, opening his window and praying three times a day. It was a survival tactic. What about our habits? On estimate, it's estimated that a new habit takes around 66 days to form, to, to almost become unconscious. But are there new habits that we need to embrace in our marriages, new intentionality in our friendships, in our health? What, what about church? <laughs> now, now let, me, <laughs> let me talk to you as a pastor, okay? I mean, actually, when I think about it, throughout the message I've been talking to you as a pastor, not as a pelican, let's face it. The Bible says, don't give up meeting together. Hebrews 10, 25, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. In other words, the writer to the Hebrews is saying, you had a habit of being together, but now you formed a new habit of not. Now, now listen carefully, because I don't need the emails, okay? Folks watching online, thanks so much for joining us. If you live distant from here, and you join us online, Keep watching. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us. Folks watching online, if you're local to here and you are genuinely nervous um, about gathering during this difficult time, we don't want you to be under any pressure or guilt. So you keep watching online until you feel confident again. Okay? Hope you got that. But here we go. If you are watching online and you're not nervous about COVID because you've been going to the grocery store and popping off to Pennsylvania on a trip and, and you, here's what I'm hearing people say. Some people say, I just got out of the habit. And, and that's easy because, you know, who among us doesn't want to watch the service in their Winnie the Pooh pajamas? And the great thing about online is if you don't like that song, you just go, you just, if you're watching it later, you can just go, don't, don't like that song. <laughs> Been working all week on that. I thought that was, that was pretty good, baby. And then if you don't like what I'm saying, all you have to do is pause me right in the middle of a... Some of you are going, who are here live, you're going, I wish we could do that. <laughs> could we have that in the app? Pause a pastor. I, I don't want anyone to feel guilt, right? But if the Holy Spirit convicts, <laughs> and I want you to hear me clearly, but just think it might be time for some of us to reset our habits. 
I, I was looking at a picture of a redwood tree. I've been to California and seen the redwoods. They can grow to up to 400 feet high. That's a 37-story building. Their roots are only four to five feet deep. But you know what happens? They extend outwards up to 100 feet from the trunk, and they entwine around the other roots, and they hold each other together. That's church. And by the way, if I can just say this, thank God for the technology that allows us to be online, but it says meeting together, some is in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. One of the things that you can't do when you're online is encourage each other. So as you feel safe, let's perhaps reset. And, and, and I, I've, I'm kind of out there with saying this to you folks online. And if you're offended, then I, Pastor Darry, I apologize <laughs> for that. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Really, let love live. I'm in a silly mood. It's three Thanksgiving meals. That's what it does to you. It's all that. It's turkey vengeance. Number six, finally. <laughs> Number six, we power down to power up. We power down to power up, finally. God says, I am about to do something new in verse 19 of chapter 43. In verse 11, I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. This is God doing the reset work. Now, I think that's important as I draw this to a close. Because sometimes we get weary as Christians with endless oughts and shoulds and musts and coulds. And oh, it's so, so overwhelming. We do need to be intentional, but help is at hand. You see, when I press the button, that's when the power came back on. I had to decide, but the power was available. And the Holy Spirit is described as our helper. The one who comes alongside. So this is not just about us sweating, must try harder. This is about us saying, Lord, I'd, I'd like you to reset me. And I'd like to cooperate with that work. And we're going to help with that. This Advent series we start next week. We want to be intentional about reflecting during this season. And then in the new year, we prepared a series called How to Change. And we're looking at healthy spiritual practices for our lives. We want to help each other to reset. But hey, how about this? Let's not wait until December 31, midnight. How about saying, God... I need a reset. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. It's you that does the work. You require our cooperation. But we want a reset. We don't want to be on cruise control, just ambling along. We want, we want you to... Help us clear the clutter in our lives. Sins that have gathered, attitudes that have changed. Habits that need resetting. In marriage and friendship and health and church and giving 
It's really you, Lord. So this week, would you do a work of helping us? May we suddenly find stuff going on in our hearts and minds that is evidence of Holy Spirit activity. Because we do want to stand with our hands raised, our hearts lifted, even on the evil day, and worship you. For any here, Lord, who need the ultimate reset of being born again, following Christ, would you help them? And I want to say before I end this prayer, if that's what you're feeling, come and talk to us, to our prayer team, guest services, welcome center. We have resources available to help you if you want to choose to become a Christian today. So we give you thanks. We give you praise. You're the God of hope. And we bless you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said...